Blog Talk Radio. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters with your host, Betty Jo Tucker, author of Confessions of a Movie Attic, right here at www.blogtalkradio.com. Hi, all you movie fans out there. This is Betty Jo Tucker welcoming you to Movie Attic Headquarters. You don't have to be a movie addict to visit here, but if you are one, it's definitely the place for you. Our show today is a timely one because we're getting ready for Father's Day with a discussion about fathers on film. And noted film critics A.J. Hockery and Nell Minow are here to share their picks for the top five movies about dads as well as which actors have delivered the best and worst performances as a father on film. Nell is the famous movie mom, and she writes film commentary for BeliefNet. She's currently working on her new book, Must See Movies Fathers. She's also the author of 50 Must See Movies Mothers, 100 Must See Movie Moments, and The Movie Mom's Guide to Family Entertainment. A.J., also known as the Mad Movie Man, has contributed film reviews to a number of sites, including Classic Movie Guide, Review Express, Real Talk Movie Reviews, and Terror Tube. He's also the founder of Passport Cinema and CineSlice, his popular new blog. Nell and AJ are two of my favorite movie critics, folks, and it's always a pleasure to have them on our show, but when they're here... At the same time, it's double the pleasure. So let's bring them on now. Ladies first, of course. Nell, welcome to Movie Attic Headquarters again. Well, thank you. It's great to be back with you and especially with AJ, too. (laughs) I thought she'd feel that way, and it's always great to have you as a guest. And the same does go for AJ, who's multitasking today as guest and co-host. AJ, thanks for agreeing to do double duty today. Any time I, I, I thrive on pressure, like no matter what, just just throw it at me, whatever you got. <laughs> well, one thing I wanted to throw at you was that I forgot, and I'm sorry, I forgot to mention about your acting activities, and I understand <laughs> you have a new a new play coming up, so I want to make sure that uh, that you tell us about that before we get started with the show. I do. Uh, the other day we just had our first read-through for a uh, local uh, community theater production of uh, Spamalot that we're going to be putting on in uh, August. Uh, based the, the musical based off of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. We start rehearsing at the end of next month. And well, like, just in the read-through, we were just all roaring in laughter. So it's it's going to be ten times better in front of a live audience and you're on stage and in the moment. It, it's going to be an awesome show, no doubt. Oh, I'm That's so terrific. glad. That's terrific. I saw the, uh, the the original show on Broadway, and it's a wonderful show. 
Oh my God! I, I know. So that, that, I know. We're all, we're all going to be multitasking in the show. Like we're all going to be playing multiple parts. And my director has already uh, said that she wants me for uh, the voice of God and the French taunter. So that'll be interesting. Oh, <laughs> the voice of God. Well, that's that's really a great role to have. <laughs> you don't get do much good. bigger than that. <laughs> no, I don't think so. You and Morgan Freeman, <laughs> you guys, to get together. <laughs> well, I, I'm so happy. For for you, uh, even though I am very, very jealous. And I always tell you and Nell that you make a dynamic uh, duo, and I, I have to congratulate both of you for being guests on the number two most popular episode of Movie Addict Headquarters this past 12 months. Now, we, we celebrated our sixth anniversary last week, um, and uh, I was uh, fortunate enough to to have time to announce the uh, the ten top episodes uh, during the past twelve months, and believe it or not, your aliens versus monsters debate uh, came in in that group. And uh, the thing that surprised me about it not not so much that it uh, that it's so popular, but you know we aired that first debate back in April of two thousand nine. And we reran it last October, and even though it was a rerun episode, it still earned second place in the number of listeners. And the only wow. show, yeah, and the only show that earned more listeners was the one we did celebrating the 50th anniversary of The Birds, uh, when Ben uh, Mankiewicz from uh, Turner Classic Movies was our guest, and when we had a clip uh, of uh, a little section of the interview with uh, Tippi Hedren. So um, we just, Nikki and I both absolutely love that Aliens versus Monsters show that you guys did, and, and we'll probably rerun it again. And speaking of Nikki, let's check to see if she's ready to help with the show. I'm so glad she's here because she's had a bout with bronchitis, and we've been worried about her. But Nikki, uh, welcome back to Movie Attic Headquarters. We we missed your your cheerful voice uh, last week. And how are you? And are, are all systems go in the chat room? Yes, everything's ready to go in the chat room, and I'm getting better slowly. <laughs> well, we're so happy because uh, when it's not the same when when you're not uh, when you're not here. And so, thanks for everything you do, and to the people who signed up to chat or who will be signing up to chat, we really appreciate them as well as our other listeners. Now, on with the show, AJ. Since you're doing uh, co-hosting today, what would you like to ask Nell to get things started? Well, get things started right off the bat here. Uh, last time uh, we were on the show together, you had a book about uh, weddings coming out, and now you have one about fathers, the must-see movies, the father's edition. Uh, when is that going to be available to purchase? That will be out. Thank you for asking. That will be out by the end of the summer. Uh, the, As you said, the 50... Uh, mom movies and the 50 wedding movies are already out, and after I do Fathers, I've got a bunch lined up, including uh, musicians and lawyers and doctors. Wow. Nice. <laughs> oh, my gosh. You you are really you are really a busy lady, Nell, uh, but I love the format, don't you, AJ, of, you know, just <laughs> selecting these, these categories. And then, yeah. Uh, I, do, go ahead. 
I was just going to say, yeah, like, I, I'm a sucker for a good list, even if it's, like, in no particular order, like, like the, fif- the 50 best movies with an eagle in them, or, like, the 50 best product placements, like, I'm a sucker for, like, reading lists and stuff. Me too. Like it's that, really so. fun to start a conversation, and I don't rank them, um, because, you know, I've got two X chromosomes, and we don't do that kind of thing, but it's just 50 <laughs> movies, and I try to do, you know, some of the classics that everybody will automatically think of when you think of great fathers in the movies. And also I try to obviously put a bunch in there that you wouldn't think of necessarily. Yeah, It's more about like bringing them to the reader's attention than it is, well, this one's the best because I say so. Yeah, exactly right. There you go. Uh, But uh, compared to the other uh, books that you've written, like the mom one and the brides one, uh, what did you find like really challenging about this one compared to those, about writing it? Well, you know, it's um, in a way a little bit tougher. The reason I did the weddings one and the moms one first is that it's really easy to come up with those. There are, you know, there are weddings in in comedies, there are weddings in dramas, there are even weddings in action movies. Uh, and moms, you know, of course, very, very popular. Dads, I think it's just a little bit of a challenge to find them. There are the classics, you know, you're going to always come up with Father the Bride and To Kill a Mockingbird. Um, but I wanted, as I said, to, to bring in some that you wouldn't necessarily think of. And, of course, just as with the mothers, I like to write about the bad fathers as well as the good fathers. <laughs> I really think that's a great way to to attack <laughs> the topics. And I so enjoyed your uh, your ebook about the wedding, so you know I'm really eager to read this new one. And you say by the end of the summer, yes. the book on fathers will be ready to order. And is it still going to be at this uh, wonderful price of 99 cents? Yes, it is. That's I'm really great. committed to doing the whole series for 99 cents. Now, the 101 must-see movie moments is more because it's a much longer book and it's in paperback as well as an ebook format. But I, but I, one of the reasons I like doing the e-books is that you can do them for, for so little money. Absolutely. And um, now that that's there's even an um, application that you could, even if you don't have a Kindle, you yes, can, you can still watch it order the... Anything with a screen. If it's your smartphone, your uh, laptop, your uh, tablet, you can pretty much watch it on any, read them on anything. Yeah, I, the technology is so wonderful when it when it works, and um, I'm going to be uh, one of the first people to to order the, your book on fathers. But well, thank now, you. speaking of, uh, well, you're very welcome. And speaking of fathers, I know you haven't completed the book yet, but um, what are your if you had to pick now? What would be your top five favorite movies about uh, fathers, and then why would you uh, pick put them well, in? Well, one of my the top one of my five? favorites, in fact, it's in three of my books already, but I just you know can't help writing about it. Is is Father of the Bride? You know, it's in the wedding uh, book. Uh, it's in the movie moments book. But there is such a wonderful you know the relationship between Spencer Tracy. I'm talking about the original Father of the Bride, although the remake is pretty good. But the original Father of the Bride with uh, Spencer Tracy and Elizabeth Taylor, who was the most breathtakingly lovely human being on the face of the earth at the time, about to get married for her first of eight times in real life. Um, <laughs> The relationship between them was so lovely, and in fact, she called him. Her character called her father Pops 
in the movie and in real life, Elizabeth Taylor called Spencer Tracy Pops, and they had a very warm, close relationship until his death. And I love this movie because it is about, you know, this incredible affection that the father has, the mixed feelings he has as he's, you know, he wants his daughter to be happy, but he, you know, he can't really quite bear the idea of her growing up. And, and my favorite moment in the movie is when, she briefly breaks off the engagement because she has a very minor little spat with the with the fiance, and the look on Spencer Tracy's face when he finds out you know what is going on there, and, and as he comforts her is just so marvelous. And so that's that's obviously a great one. And then I think everybody, if you just ask the first hundred people walking down the street who the best father in the history of movies is, I think most people would say it's uh, Atticus Finch in To Kill a Mockingbird uh, with Gregory oh, yeah. Peck. You know, I, you know, I have a special affection, as with the mother's uh, movies, for the ones that are based on the author's real-life parent, and that is definitely the case. Um, uh, Harper Lee uh, wrote uh, To Kill Mockingbird based on her own father, whom she adored, and um, Gregory Peck uh, once... I've, this is a true story. Gregory Peck once told me, I'm my one and only meeting with Gregory Peck, that oh. um, that uh, you know he really wanted to do the the part justice. And Harper Lee was on the set, and uh, she came up to him, and he was just you know really wanting her to like it. And she said, "Oh," with her southern accent, "Oh, you just reminded me so much of my daddy." And he was really happy. And he said, "Your stomach pooches out just like his did." <laughs> 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 but uh, you know that's. The the way that he talks to his children, he he talks with to them with such respect and and allowing for their dignity, and the way he patiently explains things to them, the way that he protects them, um, his his civility toward his kids is really spectacular. So those are two of my favorites, and then Donald Sutherland in Ordinary People. You know, he was the only one of the main cast members who did not get an Oscar nomination, and he was wonderful in that. You know, he's in a, such a difficult position, that, that character, because the struggle is between the mother and the son, and he's, of course, torn in both directions, but the way that he handles it. And, you know, I just I love Donald Sutherland. I think he doesn't he, – he's so good at what he does, I don't think that he gets the appreciation because he, he you don't see him work at it. But the, the struggle that he goes through and the suffering that's on his face – uh, is is really remarkable. And then, I, you know, I want to bring in kind of a wild card here. So I'm going to mention a documentary that I absolutely adore, that I, I cry all the way through whenever I watch it. It's called The Other F Word, and it's about punk oh. rockers and metal musicians and what happens to them when they become fathers. So they've got Flea from the Red Hot Chili Peppers. They've got a lot of metal uh, magician, music, musicians. Oh. And... It's hilarious to see these guys with their tattoos and their face piercings and everything driving along with the car seat in the back singing the wheels on the bus. And it is so sweet and so tender. And it's really like all great movies. It's just an exaggeration, really, of what we all face because we're all, you know, in our hearts, you know, metal musicians uh, and, and, you know, very independent and very freewheeling and we're going to do things differently and, you know, stick it to the man. And then you have kids all of a sudden, you know, you're worrying about where their Barbies are and stuff like that. And it's really just a wonderful, wonderful, wonderful movie. And then I'm just going to mention I have so many more that I want to talk about, but I'm just going to mention the worst father ever in a movie, again based on a real-life father, unquestionably, and again, there are two versions of this one, too, the Barretts of Wimpole Street. In real life, Elizabeth Barrett Browning's father was a monster, and in the movie versions, uh, he is 
terrifying. And so that's that. In, in my opinion, he is the worst father ever to be put in movies. Well, we're going to talk a little bit more about the about the worst, uh, the, the the best and the worst fathers. But I'm I'm very impressed with this list. Uh, Father of the Bride and To Kill a Mockingbird and Life with Father and Ordinary People. And uh, the other F word is the big surprise because I hadn't even heard of that movie, so I'm really I glad highly, that you gave it. I highly, 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 highly recommend it. It is wonderful. And then just as a as a comic bad father, you're never going to have a worse father in a movie than in the Austin Powers movie. Um, Dr. Evil is a terrible father, and the dynamic between Dr. Evil and Scott Evil, his son, are is so <laughs> funny. It's by far the best part of the movie. I think so, too. Well, AJ, do, uh, how do you feel about this list that uh, Nell has given us about uh, film, uh, the, be- the best films about fathers? And she's even started this off with the, with the worst ones, too. What, <laughs> what, are your, what are your top films about dads? Uh, well, well, I, I got to say, there's a really good pick there with uh, Atticus Finch. You know, he was the, voted the number one hero of all time by the AFI for a reason. He's warm, but he's stern, and he's wise, but he's strained, and he's not afraid to show his fault. Like, he is, like, a really well-rounded character, and Gregory Peck gave so much to that performance, and it was such a great movie. Uh, but for, uh, for my... Fu- for my five picks, I've I've tried to go a little untraditionally. Like you know, you know me, I always oh, like to no. go through the, go the weird the angle. Movie man goes untraditional. Okay. <laughs> I, I, I know. Gasp! Shock and awe. Huh? Yes, <laughs> I'm shocked. I tell you, shocked. <laughs> uh, for my uh, first pick, the one that struck me right off the bat is the movie that introduced probably the most complicated father-son relationship in all of film history, and that's uh, The Empire Strikes Back. You know, (laughs) you're you're Luke Skywalker, you're fighting the Empire, like, and you finally confront, like, the the greatest evil you've ever known. spoiler alert. Yeah, yeah, spoiler alert. If if you're the one person living in the rock in Uganda who hasn't seen this movie yet, and, like, you're fighting, like, the ultimate galactic evil, and, uh uh-oh, it's your dad. And like, and I, how how could that? I'm just trying to imagine how that would have played in 1980. You're there, and not only does he say, "Luke, I'm your father," and he like starts to tempt him with, "Come over to my side, we'll rule the galaxy." Like a couple minutes before the ending credits, and then you have to wait three years to find out what <laughs> happens next. That was me. I, that was me. I was there. I did not. I you know went to see the movie obviously the night that it opened, and therefore there was no. Uh, nobody knew about that surprise. Nobody knew about that twist when I saw That's it. Right. And so I was shocked and then had to wait three years uh, to see Me if too. Uh, Han Solo would get out of that freeze thing. Yeah, <laughs> like, I everyone's just freaking out, like, what is going to happen? But it it, it it didn't really introduce that dynamic. I think a Return of the Jedi kind of gets some uh, flag for kind of being silly, but it really did uh, compellingly, you know, like carry on that uh, idea that was introduced in Empire. It's like you are good, and this is like here's your father. Like this is your past. Looking at you, and he's like trying to tempt you to that uh, to go to switch sides. And how do you deal with that? So, that, like for that alone, it's got to get a mention. Uh, the point. second one, the second one is is more of like a 
sort of like an untraditional kind of a, arrangement. It's a, I believe it's from 1982, this Japanese movie called Fall Guy. Where it's basically, it, it's about this guy who's kind of like part of like this movie star's entourage. And uh, the movie star, like, you know, he kind of gets one of his uh, girlfriends pregnant and he asks this guy to basically marry her and pretend to be the father. And the the guy agrees and he ends up, like, falling in love with this woman for real. And he, like, oh, takes on, guy. like, this, yeah, he takes on this, like, series of, like, increasingly, like, dangerous stunt jobs in order to provide for her and to provide for the kid. And I thought it was just, it's a its a really sweet movie. It's got a lot of uh, heart to it, but it's really funny. And, like, the stunt scenes, like, him, like, throwing himself into all this uh, stuff, it you really are on edge with a really, it's a really interesting uh, premise that's uh, pulled off. It's very well-rounded, and it's really interesting. And just to him, like, it's its not his son, it's not his uh, kid, but he's, like, wants to provide for him and provide for the woman that he's, like, starting to fall in love with for real. So I thought that was a really interesting uh, aspect to it. Uh, the third one here, yeah, the, the third one here uh, is uh, Insidious, actually. If only because yeah. Uh, the, the, yeah, the family in there, like, like you, like, you see, like, these kind of big actors in these movies just trying to be, like, the normal average guy. It's like, even now, like, watching uh, Johnny Depp in Nick of Time from, like, the 90s, it's kind of hard to mm-hmm. read yourself from him being Johnny Depp and he's just Mr. Average. But here in Insidious, like they really did feel like a like a like a real family. And uh Patrick Wilson's character does something that you almost never see in uh horror movies when all this weird stuff is going on, his wife is seeing ghosts and their son is in a coma and all there's all these strange goings on and the wife goes like, We have to move out of here. There's something going on Normally in a horror movie, like, the husband is like, eh, what are you talking about? Stay here. And he, like, starts getting, like, increasingly violent and yelling. And it's like, no, we're not going anywhere. But in Insidious, he moves. Like, they move to a different house when all this stuff is going on. He's like, I'm not sure what's going on, but I know this is really affecting you. So for your well-being, hey, let's get out of here. And let in a in a genre where like not many smart decisions are made, that's actually pretty wise. It's just kind of unfortunate mm-hmm. that all the demons and stuff followed him, but hey, it was worth a shot. <laughs> now that's an underrated movie. That's I'm glad you have that on your list. Good. Yeah. Empire uh, number... Strikes Back, Fall Guy, and Insidious, and number four. All right, number four is one. It's it's been a long time since I've seen it, but I remember seeing it in the theater. And uh, really liking it back then, and since then it's kind of gotten uh, an audience. It's like one of those movies where it's okay for guys to cry at, and that's Frequency from uh, 2000. Yeah, Yeah. with with Jim Caviezel and uh, Dennis Quaid as a father and son who end up like commuting, communicating to one another through. I believe it's a ham radio, right? Yes. Yeah. yeah, where they kind of talk to one another, and, like, the father had died a long time ago, so it's it, it's sort of like the lake house if it was a father and son deal. Yeah, I thought it was and much really better. good. Yeah, it, it it is, like, it's it is kind of a, a little bit of an emotionally manipulative movie, but the performances are all done in earnest, and, like, you, you really buy into their relationship and how it grows from, like, being so strained, and, you, like, you see their bond gradually come together and I just thought it was like 
it, it, it is one of those movies where it's like you're secure enough in my masculinity to be like, okay, I, I kind of teared up a little bit. Like it was, it, it got to me. It was really well done. It wasn't something that was just written for the sole purpose of making you cry. There was meaning and heart to it. So I got to give it credit for that. I really like that movie a lot. I think one reason it didn't do better is that it does get very complicated in kind of an almost inception kind of way in the last half hour. But uh-huh. if you follow it and you pay attention, you really see how the Jim Caviezel character, who is so kind of wounded and damaged in his original incarnation, how he is very healed by what happens and by being able to connect with his dad. Yeah, and and even and even if you you think that aspect of the movie is kind of like weepy and overly emotional, like there's a lot of like cool little tricks here and there, like like when the dad does something in one time period, yes. like the bad guy that affects him in the Jim Caviezel time period, and like helps him use that to his advantage. Like it's it's just a really clever idea that was pulled off really I, well. I completely agree. I'm really happy to hear you mention that one. <laughs> Me too. I could hardly wait to hear what the next one is. <laughs> All right, and my uh, fifth one, uh, you like it's sort of like to coincide, uh, I guess, with uh, a certain uh, big movie coming out this week, uh, the original Superman uh-huh. from 1978. Like it was like the uh, first like big comic book movie that like treated comic books really seriously, and a big part of uh, what right. made that first Superman movie work was. The relationship between uh, Jarrell, played by Marlon Brando, and you know Superman, Christopher Reeve, and uh, there's that because you kind of look at Superman, where it's like he's he's the big blue Boy Scout. Like, where is his flaw? He's just a good guy who does like a lot of good things. And uh, part of the interesting thing about uh, or what made the uh, Richard Donner movie uh, so interesting was that he uh, like was that it kind of used his like uh capacity for good as sort of like one of his flaws like he rushes into all these situations and kind of kind of like blindly like he is just so eager to do good and then you have uh uh Marlon Brando kind of talking to him from beyond the grave in a way just kind of giving him advice that like you can't like you have to pace yourself and you have to think things through and as much as you want to help these people and how's much of a kind of a beacon of hope for these people that you can uh, teach them to do better is that you have to realize that you can't rush in like they like they will exploit you and they will kind of use your use you to your advantage and like tend to run your ragged so you have to learn to pace yourself and uh, help them at uh, help them at a measured speed. And I thought that was a really interesting aspect of a altogether awesome movie. Yeah, well, you and really having have seen the new one last night, I can tell you that I prefer, I still prefer the Richard Donner, Christopher Reeve movie, and the, however, the the father and the new one, both fathers play an important role. Kevin Costner, the Earth Father, and mm-hmm. Russell Crowe as Jor-El. Well, I can hardly wait to see that on on Friday. So I'm I'm glad that you brought that one up um, because it's so so timely that we'll have a comparison. Um, and um, your list uh, is quite diverse too. Empire Strikes Back, Fall Guy, Insidious, Frequency, and the original Superman. Now, I the only the only one one that I have on my uh, top five list that um, is similar to uh, to the two of you would be Father of the Bride. Now, I do have that on my list, yeah, and uh, that's but a the classic. Spencer. 
But the Spencer Tracy one, and maybe because I've, I saw that more recently on Turner Classic Movies, and I just thought that the the relationship, uh, as you mentioned, between uh, Spencer Tracy's character and Elizabeth Taylor was just absolutely so real and so uh, precious, I guess. I mean, that's not maybe not the right word, but, but it just stays with you, and I, I thought it was a, a wonderful, wonderful film about parenting. My number one film... Though um, I have to give a little background information now, I I didn't know my I never I didn't meet my real father until I was 12 years old, mm. and I had two uncles who uh, were father figures for me. Mm-hmm. So when mm-hmm. I saw the movie Secondhand Lions, mm-hmm. and I saw Michael Caine and Robert Duvall as these uncles, who uh, <laughs> they're very very eccentric. They really uh, don't get out much, but they had a nephew placed in their charge, and the nephew was played by Haley Joel Osmond, and I thought that was one of his best performances. Definitely. And he was so sad, such a sad little boy, but these two uncles absolutely um, gave him a lot to smile about, and I loved the fan- the, the tall tales in the movie. I loved the uh, speech that uh, Duvall's uh, character uh, gave to Haley Joel Osmond's character. And uh, here's a quote that I remembered from it. Whether certain things are true or not, it's important to believe in them. And the certain things that he he talked about were um, the value of honor, virtue, courage, and the belief that true love never dies. So I think that's wise advice any father uh, should consider passing on to his son. So that's my number one and very close to it is Albert uh, Finney and Billy Crudup, um, who play father and son in Big Fish. Uh, Now, again, it's just a whimsical film. You you can tell that I like uh, fantasy because uh, uh, these are my uh, my top two. But I just enjoyed so much watching this estranged um, father-son relationship and how Billy Crudup, uh, the son, finally realized that even though his father just drove him crazy with the same fantastic stories over and over again, that he finally realized that he's, he learned more about his father that, through these, these tall tales exactly. <laughs> that he told him. And um, it, just, it was just, well, this a Tim Burton movie, I believe. It was. Yeah, <clears throat> And a beautiful, beautiful movie. Absolutely wonderful. I wonder if you've ever seen the movie Unstrung Heroes? No, I haven't seen that. Because that that's another similar? one that's it's, it's based on a true story, and it is another one that's about a boy who is raised by his two uncles. And his uncles are difficult and maybe not the most mentally stable people in the world, but they're totally devoted to him, and they come to his aid when he needs them and it was directed by Diane Keaton and it stars oh. uh John Turturro and Michael Richards and Maury Chaikin and it's really good. I think that's a a great father movie. I'm going to put that on my list uh, definitely and and um my uh third one this is this is kind of a well. My final two are kind of silly movies, but you both know, and I think my listeners know, 
I enjoy movies primarily for their entertainment value, so naturally uh, when I make lists there's going to be um, uh, some fun in the, in the movies that I pick. And this one is What a Girl Wants, Colin Firth, I knew AJ would just have a fit over this, and Amanda Bynes before she started getting into trouble. But Colin Firth is so great as this stuffy British lord who has to deal with this rambunctious daughter. Uh, she's an American teenager. Uh, he never, he doesn't know that he had this this daughter, and he finds out that he has her, and she comes over to England. And it's just a lot of fun to watch uh, the two of them get acquainted and uh, to to find uh, to see them realize that. Uh, they have to be true true to themselves, you know, but still they can uh, love each other, and it, it really is a fun movie. And then another fun movie, movie which is my final uh, uh, pick in the top five, is Cheaper by the Dozen, and this one with, with Steve Martin. It was just uh, fascinating <gasps> to me. Movie. You hate it, well, a lot of people but do. But the original but is so great with Clifton Webb, the original. And well, the original I like that, too. But it's, like it's based too, on a true story, and the and the remake they completely butcher the real thing that really happened. They should have called know, it but something it was else. <laughs> but it was fun. I liked I liked the way he the way here here's an efficiency expert who isn't very efficient at all when he has has to has to be in charge of all of these of these <laughs> youngsters and when his wife goes away but then how he is just so great with them because any movie about fathers the important thing is the rapport between the uh the father and and the children and I thought Steve Martin had that uh, in this so anyway we can, we don't have a similar uh selections except for father of the bride and and we've talked a little bit about uh, performances but I wanted to take time to thank my uh, email and Facebook uh, friends for the interesting responses that they um, posted on Facebook. And uh, I'll just, I, I promised that I would mention them, so I'll quickly go, go through this. Uh, Jane Bernard uh, suggested Robin Williams and Mrs. Doubtfire. Because oh, he's on my he, list. He's in the book. Oh, great! And he has. She says that he had to do uh, what he had to do to be around his children was extraordinary, and I thought that was a good reason. Sharon Schaefer, the story lady, picked Russell Crowe in Cinderella Man. Rebecca White picked Steve Martin in Father of the Bride, and Cheaper in the Dozen. Yay, Rebecca! And of course, A.J. Hockery. Who is that guy? He put Darren uh, McGavin. Yeah, who, who's, the, who's that jerk? <laughs> in a Christmas story, he's going to get a Christmas story in, and I, I don't blame him. And then Chris Speakman, Dustin Hoffman in Kramer versus Kramer, and then Chris uh, started thinking about this and came up with with a number of others: Bruce Willis in Armageddon, um, Maximilian Schell in Deep Impact, Henry Fonda in On Golden Pond, Christopher Plummer in The Sound. Of music and Deb Hockenberry put Gregory Peck at To Kill a Mockingbird. Thank you very much. And um, uh, Mac Bates, um, film critic Mac Bates, who's been on our show and, and been a big hit, put Paul Dooley in Breaking Away. That goes definitely back away. great one. Oh, absolutely. Lawrence Fishburne in Boys in the Hood. Denzel yes. Washington in John Q. Here's one that I'm glad has been mentioned because I almost forgot about it, and it's just great. Damien Bashir in A Better Life. And Damien, I yeah. believe, got an Oscar nomination for that he role. Did. 
Mm-hmm. Laura, a film critic, Laura Clifford, suggested kind of an, uh, she says, for an offbeat <laughs> suggestion, Vincent Price in Edward Scissorhands. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Kyle Olson suggested Mufasa in The Lion King. Uh-huh. And Diana Sanger, Will Smith in Pursuit of Happiness, um, Jimmy Stewart in It's a Wonderful Life, and Matt Damon in We Bought a Zoo. So thank you very much, Facebook friends and e- email buddies. Uh, a lot for that. of those so are in wonderful. my book. A lot of them are in your book? Yeah, but uh, can we take a minute to talk about the ones that that I think people don't know about? Because I've already Please mentioned do. one, but but a but a couple more. One is that I really love. It's very 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 rare to see Cary Grant play a parent, um, and or when he did, it was sort of more incidental. Um, and when he but he he didn't like to do it. But when he did play a father in the movie Houseboat. Uh, He played a recently widowed father who had really not been close to his children and was estranged from their mother and has to connect with this, find a way to to connect with these poor kids who just lost their mother. And he's just great in that. There's a wonderful scene there where he has a talk with his son, Paul Peterson, from the Donna Reed Show about death and about loss and and what it means. So that's a really good one. And then another guy not really known for playing fathers, um, Charles Lawton, uh, who is not a father in real life, uh, in, in Hobson's Choice, one of my absolute favorite yeah. movies. Love that movie where he plays the uh, bombastic father of three daughters and, you know, wants to really run their lives. And, and that's just a, a terrific movie. And so, uh, and then one that that did very well when it came out, but people don't talk about it that much anymore. The Great Santini was uh, another yeah. sort of based on a true story, a really great um real life father who i think probably meant well but but was very destructive in his impact on the family jimmy stewart and mr hobbs takes a vacation is another one and i thought by the way brad pitt was a fantastic father in moneyball the scenes with him and his daughter were absolutely fabulous i think that's uh, those are uh, uh, good movies to call to our attention and i see in the chat room we've had some suggestions uh, Steve Mendoza from the Steve Mendoza Show here on Blog Talk Radio uh, said he's just reminded of Chevy Chase as Clark Griswold in the Vacation <laughs> Series, <laughs> and I, I really enjoy uh, him in that in that role. And um, Nancy Lombardo from uh, BTR's Comedy Concepts uh, is uh, suggested that the, the one of the worst. <laughs> Fathers on screen was uh, Bill Cosby in Ghost Dad. Are you familiar with that? Oh, um, oh that's a notorious catastrophe. Oh, good lord! I mean, but that in that case, he's not a bad father. He's not like you know a totally destructive you know father. It's just a horrible, horrible, horrible movie. I haven't I haven't seen that so so I'm I'm uh, I, I don't think it's I will see it. It's up there with Geely as as one of the most notorious flops of all time. Well, my gosh, and Steve Mendoza also says that W.C. Fields in the bank, bank dick. Yeah, he's, <laughs> well, but what's interesting <laughs> is that W.C. Fields, you know, he's, he's, he's a hilariously bad father in that movie and in several other movies, but as he got older, toward the end of his career, he often played the father of lovely young ladies, and, and, and I say this in the nicest possible way, he, he was quite uh, tender and, and lovely with them. 
Yes, I do remember. I do remember that, and I do really, really like uh, W.C. Fields in his movies. So I hate to I hate to say anything too bad about him, but I'm going to have to check out. I can't remember the bank dick. I'll have to. I'll have to check that out. But Egbert Suzay, accent on the e. That's what he said. Oh yes, 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 <laughs> yes. You're right. You're right. You're right about that. Well, um, you know, the worst films about fathers. I, I'm going to have to give you my, my five uh, quickly because I think you'll understand why. Grown-ups, 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 and grown-ups. <laughs> <laughs> Do you remember that movie? I mean, that was two two years ago. What's your and opinion of that? And the sequel is about Adam? to come out. Oh, my gosh. The sequel is about to come it's, out. The, it's a horrifyingly <laughs> bad movie. But, you yes, know, you'd have to like had... the clumps and stuff in that. In that category. Well, it has four four fathers. It has four four actors who who get a chance to be really really bad fathers. You've got Adam Sandler. You've got Chris Rock. You've got Kevin James, and you've got Rob Snyder. And uh, so I think that made it you know quadruple uh, bad. And the movie was supposed to be funny, but I didn't laugh one single time in that uh, in that entire movie. It's a, it's you a know, terrible, I can, terrible movie. I know, I know. Well, I can't believe that our, how fast our time has gone by, but I don't know why it always surprises me whenever you two are on together. I mean, we just uh, have so much fun talking with you, and you're both so knowledgeable and uh, so entertaining with, with what, you sh- what you share with us. So I want to uh, give you one more chance here to add anything, uh, either about the films about fathers or about any projects that you're that you're working on, uh, AJ. Why don't you start with that? Uh, well, there was when you when you guys were talking about like kind of like individual performances about uh, of uh, fathers in movies. Uh, one that none of us have talked about uh, that really struck me when I saw it was uh, Tom Hanks in Road to Perdition. Mm. Yes. That's yeah, and I remember right. like early on, there's like a shot in the movie where he's like in his. Uh, where, like, the kid has to go, uh, like, talk to his father, and, like, he goes up into the hallway, and at the end of the hallway, his, like, the door of his dad's room is just open, and, like, I in that moment, I felt like kind of all that intimidation, like, when you're, like, a little kid, and, like, going to check on your dad or going to get your dad upstairs in his room was such a big deal, and I just thought that was a really cool shot, and Tom Hanks gave a really good performance in that movie. He did, he did, and... And um, now, um, any uh, other projects that you're working on now you'd like to mention? I see we only have uh, have three minutes left. I don't know where the time went. but Well, we've but, already uh, talked about my books, and so yes. I think I'll just take a moment, as long as you brought up Tom Hanks, to say that he's a wonderful father in Sleepless in Seattle. Yes, that's yeah. another one that we forgot. Thank you so much for for mentioning uh, that and bringing and bringing it up. Well, uh, as usual, we could go on and on for a, a lot longer than forty five minutes. But I want to thank you so much for being such terrific guests again today, and I want to thank Nikki and the Chatters. I'm so sorry that our time is almost up, and uh, I want to uh, let everyone know that we're going to give a big shout-out to Blog Talk Radio because and the folks there because they have uh, decided to feature this episode as a staff pick. Um, it'll, be, um, it'll be up on the, on the site as a staff pick uh, starting, I guess, at midnight tonight. So it's time to wrap things up, and I would hope everyone comes back next time for another spirited discussion about movies. I want to thank uh, 
Nikki Starr for uh, all her help. Uh, I'm so glad that she's feeling better. And, uh, Nikki, please take good care of yourself. I hope everyone enjoyed the show. I know I sure did. Please come back next time for another spirited discussion about movies. And in the meantime, don't forget to check out our reviews at realtalkreviews.com. That's all for now, folks. So here's hoping all you fathers out there have a wonderful Father's Day celebration on Sunday. Now, Kenny Loggins will take us out with a song that always makes me want to celebrate. Get ready, everyone. Here comes Footloose.